For many parents of school-aged children at the moment, the current situation, with all its various challenges, is providing a specifically unique challenge, and that is the homeschooling of children. Now, I came across this um, just yesterday. It's a spoof, and this is a spoof, it's a joke, Ofsted report for a homeschool. I'm just going to read you some of it because I thought it was quite funny. So it's Jeffrey Homeschool, kitchen table near Brighton. It says, this is an atrocious school. School leaders have ensured that the school's overall effectiveness has tanked since the last inspection. And then it goes on. The head teacher, although eminently qualified, is regularly seen teaching in their dressing gown. This sets a very poor example to students. And then later on it says, pupils are regularly late to lessons and often have leave the class without permission. Absenteeism is a daily occurrence despite the homeschool only having two pupils. One child was found to be watching Netflix without supervision. Then it goes on again. The Key Stage 2 pupil was recently caught playing Fortnite and claimed it was a geography project. And then finally, one pupil in Key Stage 4 does not arrive at school until 1pm. But when inspectors have questioned him, he could give no clear reason why he was not at school. I think they may have been observing some of the things that have been going on in our house. But it's quite interesting, isn't it? Very quickly, we get into habits and ways of doing things. Very quickly in life, we, we adopt things to help us just feel normal and to keep going in different ways. The BBC um, News website just the other day had an article about changing habits during this lockdown period. Some of them positive, some of them not so positive. It was talking about how alcohol sales have gone through the roof. It was also talking about how yeast sales have gone up by 500% as people take to home baking. But it was talking worryingly about things like mental health and, and sleep patterns that people are really struggling with. Well, we've got into two new habits over recent weeks. One of them is very positive and one of them perhaps a little bit more iffy. So the very positive one is every afternoon, late on in the afternoon, we go for what we call our Boris Walk. And we walk for around an hour and we go all around the fields, around the, the back of Lim, around the dam. And it's great. It gets us out in the fresh air. It means that we're doing exercise. The other thing that, that we're doing is on a Friday night, we've got into the habit of getting a takeaway. And that's not something we, we would normally do. But it is just something at the end of the week that sort of lifts us and gives us something to look forward to. Habits can form in good ways, can't they? But habits can also form in negative ways. Habits can help grow us, but they can also, if we're not careful, destroy us. Jean just read to us um, part of a very famous section of the Old Testament, and it's from Daniel chapter 6, and it's, it's the story that finds itself into so many children's Bibles, and it's that of Daniel in the lion's den. And Daniel is one of these amazing characters in the Bible who will serve God come what may. Well, just a very, bit, um, very quick bit of background here. The setting is the 6th century BC. We're in Babylon, which is now the capital of the Persian Empire. Daniel is a Jewish exile. Jerusalem has previously fallen to the Babylonians, but the Babylonian Empire has now been conquered by the Medes and the Persians. And what the book of Daniel will show us is that Daniel is an incredibly devout man. He's a man whose whole life is given over to serving God. But he's also a man of um, particular skill set. And what it has done is it's meant that he has risen high up in the trust of the various kings who rule over the empire. And at this point, he's one of the king's top officials. 
So he's one of the key um, sort of officers of state, if you like, one of the key ministers. If you want to think of it in modern terms, he'd be like holding the foreign secretary role or the chancellor's role, one of those key officers of state. But other people have got it in for Daniel. They want to get rid of him. And so they come up with a plot, which is where we picked up Daniel chapter seven, chapter 6, sorry, in verse 7. And the plot is all centred around prayer. And what happens is this, that King Darius says that for 30 days, no one should pray but to him alone. And this is the idea, not of the king, but of these other um, officials, these various courtiers and people of that sort. And at this time in history, it was actually quite common for rulers to think of themselves as being like gods. So the pharaohs in Egypt would ask people to worship them, but the Persians didn't particularly go in for this. But Darius seems to have been flattered by this idea and so takes it on board and it's set into law that cannot be altered. And so the trap is now set for Daniel. These people, they know that Daniel is devoted. They know that Daniel is a man of prayer. They know that Daniel is somebody who will pray in a way that is visible and that is noticeable. They've noticed that he's praying three times a day. And in verse 10, we see that this is the thing he has always done. Possibly following a pattern of prayer laid out in Psalm 55, where it talks about praying in the morning, the noon, and in the evening. So Daniel has a choice. What does he do? Does he turn his prayer life that has been so public into something that is now done in secret? Does he abandon prayer altogether? Does he seek to go along with what these advisors and what the king is now saying and start praying to, to Darius instead of to God? Or does he continue as he has always done? Well, for Daniel, there is no contest here. He's not going to suddenly throw out the first commandment which says, have no gods before the Lord. And so he just sticks with it. He sticks with what has been his habit throughout the years. So what does Daniel have to show us and teach us about our current situation. Well, Daniel was used to praying in a very visible way. And so now doing, he ends up on the wrong side of the law. As Christians, we're used to gathering, aren't we, in this country? Christians have gathered publicly for, for centuries um, to pray. And visibly, we can't do that at the moment because of the lockdown situation. However, that's probably where the similarities come to an end. Because for Daniel, prayer was now illegal because of the ego of the king and the trap that has been set by the courtiers. We can't meet in public simply because it's not safe to do so and not meeting is actually the right thing because it protects one another. But you know, prayer is very still much legal in our society. We can worship freely. You can pray as you go for a walk. You can pray down the phone. You can pray on Zoom. We can pray in our windows of our prayer houses if we want to. Daniel, well, he keeps to his patterns of prayer, even in the face of persecution. We're not in that situation. But do we keep to our patterns of prayer and devotion as our life changes round about us? You see, in the background of Daniel's life is a habit of devotion that will keep him going no matter what happens. His habits are so well formed that actually they will underpin his whole life. His habits of worship and prayer 
His whole life is rooted in God and his understanding. That time spent unseen praying to his heavenly father who is unseen is the best thing to do. It's the only thing that will sustain him. He couldn't opt out of this any more than he could say opt out of breathing or drinking. Today, Jesus calls each of us to follow him, to keep following him, to believe in him, to trust in him, to accept him as Lord and Saviour, to keep walking after him. And discipleship is all about doing life the way that Jesus would do it and doing lifelong discipleship, following after him. Following God for Daniel, devotion for Daniel, just meant doing what he'd always been doing, keeping those habits going. Daniel ends up as a hero. As the chapter unfolds, his prayer, as expected, results in him getting thrown to the lions. The other officials report him to the king. But then we come to the unexpected ending. And this goes beyond the part that Jean read to us. If you've got a Bible in front of you, you might want to look at the end of chapter 6. Because what happens is God intervenes. The, li- the, the mouths of the lions are closed. Daniel survives. But that's not the most amazing thing about this whole account. It comes a bit later in the chapter. When King Darius, this king who has asked people to worship and pray to him alone, actually does an about turn and becomes a God-fearer, a worshipper of the one true God. It says in verse 26, and this is not Daniel speaking, this is Darius speaking. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed and his dominion will never end. It's amazing that, isn't it? A whole nation is led in worship because one man, one man keeps to his prayer routine and that's all it took. I wonder if in me or in you today there is actually something of the desire to be a hero. Whether we we may look at Daniel and say, well, if only we were being tested in this way, then my devotion to God would be clear. And then we look at our current situation and actually we see that to be a hero is to stay at home, is to do the exact thing that actually is, is, seems quite um, sort of vulnerable and seems quite simple, just stay at home and do the things that we're instructed to do. But you know, that doesn't stop us from nurturing the kind of habits that Daniel had. You know, normal life, so much of what we do as Christians, so much of our devotion is actually visible, isn't it? We normally turn up at church. We may turn up at our small groups at a prayer meeting, at a church meeting. It's all visible and noticeable by one another. When Jesus walked this earth, prayer was quite visible. The Jewish communities of Jesus' day would make quite a show of praying in public. And so when Jesus teaches about prayer, he says something that can seem quite different to what we find in this passage of Daniel. The verses will be appearing on your screen, but this is Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. It's interesting, isn't it? What Daniel did went against the grain. 
What Jesus tells people to do is when prayer is fashionable, actually don't do it for show, but go away and do it in secret. But there is a common theme with what Daniel does and what Jesus tells us to do, and it's this. It's that God is interested primarily in our hearts. God is interested not in the outward devotion, but on what is going on deep inside. I don't know about you, but at the moment I find that my my own sort of personal devotion to God is under the spotlight in a way that perhaps it normally isn't. When there isn't physically that much we can actually do, our personal devotional life is something that becomes really, really significant. What habits are you developing at the moment? Are you like Daniel, carving out the time each day to read the Bible, to pray, to worship, to seek the Lord? Not for show, not for congratulations, not because of what other people will think, but simply because we want to show our worship and our love for the Lord. If we want to be a hero of the faith at the moment, actually Daniel is such a great example. Because Daniel just gets on with praying. He doesn't set off to do great things. He just knows that God is with him and whatever outcomes happen, that God will be there. And God does amazing things through this one man's commitment to prayer. You know, don't ever think that God won't use just the small things of our simple prayer and our simple devotion to him to do amazing things for his kingdom. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary writer, says this. All of God's giants have been weak people who have done great things for God because they reckoned on him being with them. Do you reckon on God being with you? Will you be a Daniel today and keep that devotional life alive and fresh? Will you keep praying, not for show, but just because actually you want to serve God in whatever way you can. Do you reckon on God being with you? Are you developing godly habits? It's my prayer for each of us that that is what we're doing during this time and that we too can be like Daniel. Let's just spend a moment in prayer. Lord, we thank you for Daniel. We thank you for this amazing example of devotion that he gives us. And Lord, we know that today our situation is not like Daniel's. But actually, we know that the same principles apply, that you just call us and long for us to seek relationship with you, to know you, to serve you, to obey you, and to walk through life with you. And Lord, so we pray for each of us this morning that wherever we are, whatever we're doing, that you will help us to use this time to get into those godly habits that we too may see you do great things simply because you are with us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.